Greetings, magnificent souls, to the Lily Bewley podcast, where we have open and honest discussions about ourselves. This is your host, Lily Bewley, and I'm honored to have conversations here with thought leaders, visionaries, healers, and even solo conversations with myself about things I am currently reflecting on. This is a place where we break down, break away, and break through our emotional trauma, allowing ourselves to be healthy, be happy, and live a peaceful life. We are tired of being sick and tired. We are tired, but we are not giving up. We know that there is something magnificent inside of us. And because we are fighting daily, hourly, and by the minute, fighting ourselves, our jobs, our unhappiness, we have to do things differently. We have to break the cycle. We don't have a million chances. We have to be happy now. We have to find a way. So how do we do that? How is that possible? If you look around at what society is telling you, they tell you that what we're doing is impossible. Yet it's happening every single day. And it's happening through the practice and the love that we call awakening the magnificent soul. We are all magnificent souls. And these are our stories of healing. Today in episode 123, I welcome Lair Torrent to the show to chat about the practice of love. Don't forget to let me know your thoughts about this episode or anything you would like me to cover on future podcasts at epiphanyvault.com. Remember, it is a safe place and I would welcome the discussion. And also a request, if you are enjoying the show, please rate and share and review so we can get the word out to more and more souls who want to heal. Today's guest, Lair Torrent, is a clinically trained and licensed marriage and family therapist. Lair has been resourced and interviewed by NPR, the New York Times, and Rolling Stone Magazine for his expertise in work with couples and individual counseling. He sees clients individually, as couples, or in groups in his private practice in Charleston, South Carolina, or via Skype and FaceTime all over the world. Please enjoy this interview with Lair Torrent. All right, Lair, welcome to the show. I'm excited about this conversation. All things love, all things relationships. Yeah. Right up my alley. All of my jam for sure. Um, so you are you work with couples, right? Um I, I work with couples and individuals, but I wrote a book about couples. Got it. So it's kind of people think I'm solely a couples practitioner. Really not the case because I'm often working with I say I work with relationships, whether they're love relationships or not, like we have a relationship to everything that we do, including what we do for a living. So I'm helping people with their relationships. I happen to write a book about love relationships. These practices are actually applicable across the board in so many things. I'm mm. talking about. But yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. Too. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have a few, you have some experience under your belt and, you know, as a practitioner and you're also mm-hmm. in, it seems like a really amazing relationship as well. So I love Talking yeah. about that too. I love, yeah, I love, um, you know, people walking their talk. So that's important for me too. So that's good. Yeah. Try. I mean, that was one of the first tenets of our training at Helix training program in New York was, you know, how can you ask a client to walk a path that you're not willing to walk on your own? So mm-hmm. yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, the practice of love, which is your book. Um, tell me about the phrasing and the wording of the, like of, of it as a practice. Tell me more about this. See, this is why I lose our interview already because no one's asked me that question. Um, I've had to bring it up because I think it's important. Mm. 
I think love has fallen into the bin of things we should just know how to do. Kind of like, oh, you know, they just assume that as we leave high school and college that we're going to know how to file our taxes or get insurance or buy a car. And we're like, we have no fucking idea what we're doing. We're out there sort of going, uh, figuring it out as we go. Love is one of those things that's fallen into that bin of shit. We should just know how to do it. We don't. The statistics support that statement. And so as I was working with my couples and frankly, working with myself and trying to create the relationship that I was hoping to help my clients create, I realized that if you want to do something well, including loving someone, you need to practice that shit daily mm. because the brain goes on autopilot, right? And we have familiarity over the course of time uh, allows us to cut corners and we forget that we should be practicing to love this person uh, we should be able to list that as a skill set on our resume. Like I'm that fucking good at loving that person that I can put that on a resume. So yeah, we should practice that every day, just like a backhand in tennis or a frontside turn and in, in, in surfing a mm. uh, language. If you want to do it well, you practice one yeah. your relationship. Oh my God. I talk about that all the time because it is something. Yeah. I work in dating. Um, and mm-hmm. I always say, you know, as when I'm a guest on podcasts, I always say that I learned how, about relationships from three movies, um, Little Mermaid, um, okay. Pretty Woman, and Basic Instinct. Wow. <laughs> you left how- the breakup out. You yeah. left the breakup out of there. <laughs> That's how I learned about love and relationship through, you yeah. know, decades um, mm-hmm. of trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it's such a skill that we are, you know, we're not taught, we're not taught in school, we're not taught in, you know, most family environments, it's either like, for me, I grew up in like this submissive dominant situation, but then other people I feel like grow up in these, like, you know, these roommate style situations. (laughs) So, yeah, so I love that it is a practice. It is a practice. And you and you line out um, some tenets about the five practices in your book. Do you want to dive? I mean, I know it's early, but you know, why the hell yeah. you want to dive into what those look like? Sure. So um, in brief, we start with mindfulness. Um, I don't know how we really onboard any new practice or change any habit within ourselves without first becoming self-aware. It's an Eastern philosophy. It's, it feels like, you know, nouveau uh, therapy here now. Like when I first started mm. learning about Eastern thought and Buddhism and all of that, people thought it was a little, little out there. But mindfulness is just noticing, it's paying attention, not to what's happening necessarily outside of us, but what's happening inside of us. And that is a pretty big turn on the dial for the Eastern um, geared mind. And so I put mindfulness as, as, as tenant practice one. Because with that, we can then ask some really important questions like, what part of me is here? And this is often revelatory for folks. Like, what do you mean parts? I'm just me. I'm like, nope, you're not. You're the many vestiges of yourself, depending on the people, the places, and the things you come in contact with. It's important to know what aspect of self shows up. It dictates all of our success in every area of our lives. For instance, if you show up to work, I don't care what it is you do, in the aspect of self that goes out to happy hour with your friends, you are probably going to get on PIP soon or be, you know, reprimanded or fired, Mm -hmm. right? And we can choose our parts, like we choose our clothing, if we are mindful enough. Now, parts tell stories. These narratives are important. We prune our narratives and 
we, we, we select information that supports a prevailing narrative about someone. Now, in the beginning of our relationships, our narratives are all laden and hopped up on dopamine and limerence in the beginnings of new love. But as the advent of good and bad stress comes in, those narratives can go south pretty quick, mm-hmm. right? And so we have to look at the stories we're telling because there's a biochemical conversation going on between the body and the brain every day, all of the time. We need to make sure that we are curating uh, uh, narratives about our partners that are fair, that are compassionate, that are empathetic, that are understanding. Now, we can't stand in front of a weed-filled garden and tell a story about there's no weeds in this garden, right? Mm -hmm. Someone has to be on the other side of that narrative doing things to help us proliferate that. So that's a caveat. The fourth practice is choosing. And that's just the idea that love needs a conveyance. And we need to not just have lovely thoughts and feelings inside of us because that's lovely for you about our partners. We need to be able to convey that in a manner in which they understand now. So people will say to me, so you mean love languages? And I'll be like, if you must, sure. Um, it's a helpful uh, you know, um, a way of thinking about it. But for me, love languages can get very transactional. Like I just do this because, yeah, I know you kind of like it or whatever. What we don't understand, what we haven't been taught is the reason, the things that make us feel love and feel cared about are actually attached to our deepest core wounds, right? So we are going through the world often, most often in our love relationships, asking some questions. Am I loved? Am I safe? Am I enough? Do I matter? Mm -hmm. Right. Harwell Hendricks said it best. He said, we are destined to be attracted to a person who will recapitulate our childhood wounds, but for a very good purpose so that we can have a reparative experience. This is what this is. And so the practice, the fourth practice is choosing. And so I put those practices across the board, the practice of mindfulness, parts, narrative, choosing, I draw a big old line underneath that. The common denominator has to be personal responsibility. Mm. You got to own that shit. You got to make that a practice. You got to make it a practice when you least want to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's the tough part because everything inside of you is going, now you get to say some fucked up shit. No, <laughs> now you take a pause and ask what part of me is here that wants to say that fucked up shit? What's the mm. story that I'm telling? Is that fair? If I were picking love instead of fear in this moment, how would it be different? Mm-hmm. And then watch, watch how all that changes. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Sorry, it's a long answer. Wow, that was an amazing yeah. answer. Um, <laughs> all of the things I feel like you touched on so much of of what I've realized too in my in my journey and um, what I teach too, especially about parts. Mm-hmm. Um, like just even, you know, just even realizing that like, if I go out on a date or if I'm like, you know, if even with my parents, we were the, like the most triggering people in my life. Right. Like <laughs> it's like, the, it's like my, my part, it's like, it's not, even though it feels like me, it's not me. And as, as I can like, start to like the awareness piece and mindful mindfulness piece, if I can start to like, to, to recognize like, oh, this is not me. This is my wounded part or, oh, this is not mm-hmm. me. This is my, my part you know, whatever, it's so powerful because you kind of like, but, and not in, in like a loving way, you kind of like regain control on the inside. And, you know, there, I'm sure you have lots, lots of practices about that, but like, I talk to my parts all the time. Well, what you're, you're talking about something that's really important. It's a very simple uh, concept, but one I think that needs to be talked about. And that is when I hear you say that you said, you got, got some power back. What ends up happening is as I name that part, 
I'm no longer overcoupled with that part, mm -hmm. right? I get, it's called naming. It's an old, it's part of, it's part of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. If I can name that thing, I cease to be overcoupled or a part of that thing. Mm -hmm. And so when I say, wow, there's a defended part of me here today, or my inner critic is really up. I suck. And so does everybody else. Suddenly I have space from that. Oh, my wounded child. I feel really insecure. I feel really unlovable. I feel, uh, I feel like I can be abandoned at any moment. I suddenly get separation. So now I have some dominion over the things I do and the things I say, I'm no longer acting through that. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so powerful to say, rather than to say, fuck you, you asshole, I'm really angry. You say, wow, you really hurt my feelings. And I can tell in this moment that I'm really angry with you. It's mm -hmm. a very, very different conversation. It's a very, very different experience for everyone else as, as we name that piece. Yeah, totally. It's so powerful. For me, it has been revolutionary. Um, talk, let's talk about the love is transactional piece, because I feel like that's so juicy. Um, <laughs> the, I feel like that's one of my biggest, um, gripes, I guess, about personal development these days mm -hmm. is that is this, this idea of maybe like perfectionism wrapped in with a little bit of transaction <laughs> transaction. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. Can you dive in a little bit more about like, where do we learn this love is transactional thing? Like, um, it, it seems like it's a good step, right? Because with like, we're learning things and there's a lot of knowledge and like, mm -hmm. like obviously like learning my partner's <clears throat> love language is important, but what's that, what's the, like the d dividing line between being important and being like, I don't know, not good or unhealthy. Does that make sense? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know how, um, unhealthy it might be to, I think it's, you know, quite healthy to, to learn and understand what someone's love language is. It's a nuance, right? There's a mm -hmm. taste, it's, it's a flavor of like, I'm doing this because I know you like it is very different than I, I'm doing this because I fucking want to understand you. I want to know mm -hmm. you on a deeper level, right? I'm doing this because I read a book called the five long way love languages is a really good idea. And, and you don't, but you don't bitch at me as much, or you don't ride my ass as much. If I do a few of these things that you like, I'm kind of, overemphasizing for dramatic effect but this is kind of how things roll out yeah it's a very different thing than understanding that there's a there's there's your partner likes to be touched or likes to hear that you are proud of them or think highly of them so words of affirmation or getting them small like a flowers if that's a thing because it's attached to this little person inside of them mm. that feels unsafe in the world right it's not that you're healing them or doing the work for them no, you're creating a space where you're saying, I'm here for you. I was thinking about you when you weren't here. Now, my wife is an example. She had a borderline mother, which is a terrible diagnosis and an awful experience if you were a child of borderline. Her childhood was terribly unsafe. She doesn't mind me talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, I was reading a book called Character Styles years ago in our old apartment in New York. And, and, and in, in it, I was doing the thing you should never do, which is diagnosed myself and everyone that I knew and <laughs> guilty yeah, and yeah and so she came bombing through the door that day and I had found her character style in there and in it it said for this person who has experienced these things the world is an inherently unsafe place and so she came to the door and she happened to have had like a really bad day she was almost in tears mm. and so rather than try to fix it or try to do something to make her feel better I wrapped my arms around her and I whispered into her ear I said I know sweetie I said sometimes the world seems like an unsafe place she pulled back and she looked at me like who is this guy right 
And later she said to me, she said, I don't know that I've ever had an experience that has made me feel more seen by a human, another human being before. And it goes back to what Ellen DeGeneres said. She said something really interesting. She said, you know, it's wonderful to feel loved. It's profound to feel understood. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when we take these ways that people feel loved, we know if I do these things, it makes them feel good. And we drop below the waterline on that. We, we show them a, a, a relationship um, and a person and a constancy that says, I'm here, I see you at your deepest level, and I accept you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, you're bringing up so much stuff. I'm navigating a new um, partnership and relationship right now, and that's been coming up a lot. Um, and, you know, I have a really, you know, like, I've been doing a lot of healing, I have a really good foundation, but that's been coming up a lot about, um, it's a new experience for me to deeply because I'm like safe in myself and like my nervous system is regulated and like, you know, I'm, and I'm aware and I'm Mm -hmm. probably pretty good on, you know, a lot of those tenets that you talked about. It's a totally different experience for me because I'm able to see things for like, for what they are. And then also like go down those, those couple layers and like understand more and like ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's, it's such an amazing experience. It's so connecting and it's so it's like more than love, like, like, yeah, like you're, exactly what you talk about. You're bringing up a great point. And it's a point that I make in the book. And that is that when we start, when we endeavor to be in a relationship that is imbued with this, for me, this is the spiritual essence of relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? This is where two souls start to touch. And I'm not overemphasizing that this is where your love and your connectivity with this other person goes beyond Thanks for making that cup of coffee. And I appreciate the bed being made. Mm-hmm. Those are nice things. But this other piece, the piece that you're talking about is like, you see me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I've been seen like that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one of the bit, I'm just going to share this with you. It, it has, I don't know, it's coming up for me. So I feel like it's important. But one of the, like the first time that I was like, holy shit, like, who is this man? Was... Mm-hmm we were in Trader Joe's and, you know, like I talk about being mm-hmm. like a magnetic woman. That's what I teach women to be is to be this magnet. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Um, thank you. It's pretty powerful for me because I've gone through it, but I've gotten used to people coming up to me now. It used to surprise mm-hmm. me, but I've gotten people like people that see my aura or like feel my vibes or whatever. And, you know, I've gotten used to people coming up to me and he, we were, we went to Trader Joe's and in the span of like 15 minutes, like three women came up to me is like, Oh my God, you're so beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. Like you're all this stuff. And he comes up behind me. He's like observing this. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's, he comes up behind me and he leans down and he whispers in my ear, you are a magnet. And mm-hmm. that like, after I picked myself up off of the floor of Trader yeah. Joe's, that is what I realized is like, he, no other man in my life had seen me for who I was. Like I've always been a tool. I feel like for mm-hmm. men, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've always felt like that. I, you know, there was something about my presence, you know, I would give too much, you know, shit that I had to heal too, but that yeah. like what you're just saying, like he saw me for who I was. Look at your eyes. Look at your eyes. As you say it, you can <laughs> see how that, but you're still feeling it, man. I do. I do. Yeah. I do. It's mm-hmm. so powerful, but exactly what mm-hmm. you just said. It's like mm-hmm. this thing that no one ever taught us, you know, like, no, mm-hmm. it's like this, it, but it's, it's so possible. Um, I don't know. It's right there. It, yeah. It's right there. It's, it's, 
for some people, it is like telling them about a color that they've never seen. Mm. So that becomes the journey. Um, and usually that's one of self-discovery less than about discovering something in someone else. Or like mm. you did, right? Like you tell the story, it's I became a magnetic woman. That tells me that you were on a fucking hard journey to figure out your shit. Mm-hmm. Stop being a tool for these other tools. And, <laughs> right? That's yeah. Weird. And like, fuck, I'm, I'm worth more than that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, I started there. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And it is very spiritual. You know, that's, and what I think too, what you just said, what I'm realizing, you know, this is a whole new experience for me. Like I haven't really been, I've been teaching about the skills that I've been learning about dating and everything like that. And it's full circle. It's pretty wild, but, um, you know, like this whole thing about it being a skill is so important. So important. I know we already talked, mm-hmm. talked about it. Um, what, I don't know what, do we miss anything about it being a skill? Um, I feel like, you know, what my biggest thing is about communication. People talk about communication. People talk about um, conflict resolution and all of that stuff, but it's so much deeper. I don't know. Is there anything there for you? I don't have a phrase that another way. I don't have a complete sentence other than... I, I was talking about the magnetic woman and I had to pick myself back, back up off the floor of Trader Joe's, but yeah. no, I think that like, so I think the thing that gets me the most about when I talk, when it, uh, we're talking about like couples or, um, personal development, whatever, it's like, oh, you just need to communicate better, um, or something like that, you know, and people that come to you, oh, you just need to have better sex or whatever. Well, they're skimming is. off the top. Yeah. Right. Like you, so we Google search. Mm, top 10 yeah. reasons you know your relationship's not working top 10 reasons couples seek therapy top top 10 things that you know uh, send you running to the divorce lawyer um it's because again we've set it and forget it on relationships but familiarity is also something that's a, that plagues us right so it's is it the sex sex has gone flat really maybe you've gone flat mm. maybe your narrative has gone flat Maybe you started thinking about this person as, you know, been there, done that same old cracker. That shit's on you, man. Mm. Like you've got to pick yourself up, look in the mirror and go, is that my, you know, is, is that really how I want to see this person? I want to go through this life. It, it, seeing them is, is sort of mundane and boring because I've gotten perhaps mundane and boring because, you know, I haven't challenged myself to think on them in a different way. It's gotten easy. Mm. Um, and so now I'm, you know, looking over the fence a little bit. I'm looking on Instagram to get my, you know, get fired up. Hold on a second. Maybe there's someone in your house that's a puzzle, an ever, an ever evolving puzzle. It's a human being for Christ's sake. Now they may have their issues. They may have their problems, but they are, they are a human being that is an ever evolving puzzle. When I began to recognize my wife as such, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be honest with you, 21 years later and sex is not boring. Mm-hmm. it's you know it's two kids lots of good and bad stress we still are passionate about each other because i tell a story about that woman that is as a healthy one's a fair one i haven't let familiarity the fact that we have a couple of cars some kids some bank accounts and a mortgage mm. sully the story that i tell about her that I, I don't forget that that's a heart that i once wanted to win mm. right we forget that shit mm-hmm. and for me it's easy. 
yeah. kind of bullshit. Yeah. That's the skill part. I feel like, yeah, like yeah. I could, I could go dribble a basketball probably right here, you know, while we're talking and doing like <laughs> doing it mind, mindless. Yeah. Mindlessly. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I don't know. It's just so beautiful. Um, to think that it's again, like it's possible, you know, I, I, I wrote a post the other day, like, I always told myself I was bad at relationships, but in reality, I can be good at relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with a skill building, so it's dope. Yeah, you want to find that, like, you know, where, where are the holes in your game? And this is where I feel like the five practices that I offer dive down below those lists of, you know, oh, this thing, the money, the kids, the no, no, it's mindlessness. It's looking, you're, you're, not, you're not looking at the part of you that's showing up that's telling a story about this person that's not great. You're not really diving into how they feel loved or cared about. As a matter of fact, you're, perhaps you're telling a narrative about, yeah, it's like, it's a pain in the ass. I don't really, I don't like going to the ballet. Well, you know what, dude, it's not about you. Sometimes it's just about the fact that he or she, whoever likes the ballet, will go, likes to go to the ballet and you should like taking them. Mm-hmm. Like the joy on their face should be enough. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares if it's a little yes. bit of a, you know, pain I love for that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, beautiful. Um, I want to cover too something interesting that you mentioned in your book, which is about culture in mm. relationship. Um, that is you put words to things that I'm experiencing. I was wondering if you would talk about about culture in, in a relationship and why that's important. So I think, you know, we talk about culture and it's sort of an overly used term now. Every team has a culture, every business has their culture. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important, but we don't talk about culture in a relationship, but we're forming one every day, all of the time. And culture is the accepted norms, rules of engagement, agreements that we have around how we will speak to each other, the way we'll handle problems and issues that come up. and we don't necessarily do that mindfully. In the book, I say it's like we have these recipes for culture, kind of like we have recipes for soup and we brought them from home. Mm. And we're just arbitrarily throwing these things into the, into the collective cultural pot of our relationship and never stopping and going, hey, do you like carrots? <laughs> Should we include peas? I don't like peas. Okay, well, let's get rid of the fucking peas. And it sort of came to me it was a silly example and it's in the book but um ash and i were bartenders in new york for a number of years so i can tell you that there were a f- there were less there were there were more tequila filled nights than we than we like to talk about mm-hmm. and sometimes they would get a little out of hand and so one morning we woke up in my my shitty new york apartment on my futon and i was like man that got out of hand quick last night i said some shit up to you i don't ever want to i don't I don't want to talk to you like that again. She's like, yeah, that wasn't great. And she's like, me either. And so for whatever reason, I said to her, I said, all right, here's the deal. No name calling ever. Like once you name call as an example, now fill in your version of name calling because people will say, well, I don't name call. So this isn't about me. No, it's fucking about you. You got your shit that's not name calling, but it's something that you're doing that you know isn't okay. You need to call yourself out on it. And it forms and foments into a culture, mm-hmm. right? And so if in this particular case, if I had let name calling go, now where else do those boundary markers get reset mm-hmm. in your culture, mm-hmm. right? So I set mine and said, I'm never calling you another name again. We were two years into our relationship at that point, somewhere in that neighborhood. 
worth about 20 now. Mm-hmm. I never called her another name. Mm. I set the, the cultural boundaries for reverence, right? There are people in your life that you would never, ever call a dirty name, as an example. You would never treat badly. You would never, they might be a boss, they might be a client, right? Mm-hmm. They might be a colleague, they might be, you know, a parent. But for the person that we're sleeping with and forming a life with, we throw all that shit out the window and go, let's just be willy-nilly, let's just let it be what it's going to be. Why not mindfully create that set boundaries for ourselves that say, I'm going to hold you in a place of reverence the way I hold that client and essentially a place of reverence or that best friend that I would never speak an ill word to because mm-hmm. I'm afraid I'm going to lose the, the, the friend, right? We should be doing the same with our partners. And so that became our culture, that we treat each other kindly, compassionately. We treat each other with empathy. We're not Pollyanna by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, it's, 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 not, it's not if we fight, it's, it's how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's so powerful. Yeah, like culture to me, there's a lot of words that are coming up, but like foundation, <clears throat> you know, um, mm-hmm what I'm realizing within this new relationship is that I basically have a, a, a SOP manual, basically a standard, standard, standard operating operation. procedure, yeah. you know, yeah. like just because I've been, you know, pra- like doing a lot of those practices that you've been talking about. And so I've realized mm-hmm. like, okay, this is really important to me. I could like, this is middle mm-hmm. ground, like it's okay. Mm-hmm. And this is like, he- like hell no type of thing. And so how long you guys been together? It's new two months. Yeah. Right. So you're, you're in that, you're still in that limerence dopamine phase. I can see it in your face right now. Mm-hmm. And, and you, this is one of those places where things are easier to, to, uh, to think on in this manner. And I'm not necessarily saying for you, but for most people mm-hmm. as that dopamine wanes, because dopamine is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, we begin looking on our parts through and, and familiarity comes in. Mm-hmm. Right? We think we have enough of bats because we now we've started accruing things. Mm-hmm. And so you're not going yeah. anywhere anytime fast. So you will figure it out. So yeah. I can be a little, little shitty. We give ourselves room to be shitty. I think it's important to own that. We give ourselves room to be a little shitty. Oh, instead yeah. Instead of like, instead of like tightening that rope and going, hold on, I'm going to talk to this person this way because I don't want them to talk to me that way. It's not loving. It's not kind. What if we were to imbue that? relationship after the two three month dopamine period or whatever that is mm-hmm. and um go at it with i'm going to create a culture of reverence mm, yeah yeah lead with love cult that's you mm-hmm. know we've been talking a lot about that too mm-hmm. yeah it's um it's fun i was like i even thought about like you know like i was like maybe you should maybe later should talk to both of us at this point <laughs> <laughs> um no but uh it's so we've been navigating a lot of early triggers were like we're, we have a really both of us have a, a really good foundation of personal development and personal growth so it's like yeah. you know, we kind of just dropped in and it's dropped into it and it's been it's been loving mm-hmm. but we've also navigated a lot of hard shit already um mm-hmm. so that's good you know it's it's exciting so we'll see let's see what happens yeah you gotta like a guy who's attuned enough to kind of see what's going on in the trader Joe's and walk up behind you and go you're a magnetic oh, Blair. that's pretty good that's a <laughs> that's a pro move right oh there. man yeah <laughs> Feel that uh yeah and he doesn't he didn't even you know that he didn't even know that's what my teachings are about which is like really incredible. yeah i just gotta say holy shit Good blown away that. i know i yeah. thank yeah. you god 
universe, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thank you for seeing me like that. I haven't really shared mm-hmm. a lot about that story. Um, what do, what do we miss as far as your teachings are concerned? Anything important that you want to leave leave us with today? You know, you started out of the gate with the, with the one that I usually have to punctuate with, that, that, that love should be a practice. Mm. And um, I guess the thing that I would say is that that last one, personal responsibility, that's the one that people get hung up on. The first four are like, oh yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I like that. I like mindfulness. That's good. I like parts I can get my head around. Narrative. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thoughts become feelings and right. Choosing, love that spiritual essence of relationship, all of that. But when I start diving into like, now you got to own your shit, like personal responsibility is twofold. One is you own everything that you say and everything that you do. We're happy to own the good stuff, the easy stuff. But once feelings get hurt, the biggest mistake most couples make is thinking that I can, I just need to lean into my good intentions. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. So I'm going to sit here and argue for the fact that I did not mean to hurt your feelings, mm-hmm. even though. I just hurt your freaking feelings. Mm-hmm. And so triaging that moment when someone says, hey, you know, last night at dinner when you said that thing, it really embarrassed me. What are you talking about? That's not what they said. No, that's what you said because I looked at Sheila and she rolled her eyes too because we need Sheila to make sure that we, um, you know, have some clout. And, and then, mm-hmm. well, no, that's not, that's not how I said it. Rather than when someone says to you, you hurt my feelings saying, I am so sorry that uh, we can talk about my intentions later. I never want to hurt your feelings. Yes. So we own our shit. We own everything that we do and we own everything. I said, here's the problem. People think that I'm asking them to become too permissive. They think I'm asking them to give up ground. Problem is it's woven into our very, very fine fibers of our existence, especially as Americans to win stuff. Mm-hmm. And, our per- and our love relationships are not opted out of that. And so we have people, you know, fighting to win. The relationship shouldn't be a zero-sum game. Because mm-hmm. if you lose and your partner thinks they win, the relationship loses, everybody loses, and vice versa. So we stop fighting with each other. We start fighting for each other. Mm-hmm. That's a really important aspect. The second full piece of personal responsibility is to own your mindfulness, own your parts, own your narrative, own your choosing do those things when you least want to and <clears throat> own everything that comes out of your hole mm-hmm. uh, and things that you do, you're probably going to be cooking with gas. Mm. Yeah. One of the things that, oh, that's so powerful. And it's so, it feels so nuanced though. It feels mm-hmm. very like, cause I feel like I, I even feel that trigger of like, okay, um, this is something that I had to heal. It's like, okay, am I being mm-hmm. too permissive or submissive or whatever it is like what whatever that line is um I don't know it's a tough one right you know like we, well, I started that's to your personal to- responsibility right to, yeah. to recognize that's the other side of it it is nuanced mm-hmm. um it's not just sort of like you know pain with a stroke you have to like take it and apply it because I do have people say yeah but I've owned too much in relationships that's it Right. right, but your boundaries are your responsibility mm-hmm. to draw that boundary and say, I am not willing to do this work for you. I'm not willing to enter into a codependent relationship with you. Mm-hmm. This is yours because I will do your homework for you and it's not good for us. Mm-hmm. You feel that push? Mm-hmm. That's a pushback right there. That's mm-hmm. a line, that's personal responsibility. Yeah. I say personal responsibility as, as an element of stoicism in it. Mm. 
right? Stoicism yeah. is really just Buddhism with a mohawk and a few tattoos. It's just, you know, that it, it's a little bit of a pushback. And that's why I wanted to kind of dapple that in there. Yeah, I love that. Two things that are coming to mind of what, what I've re- realized and really haven't conceptualized for me is, I guess it's like a mix of like culture for you, like the words that you're using culture and personal responsibility is that I like, especially in dating and this new thing that's happening for, with me is I speak up when I'm triggered, like in the moment, mm-hmm. in the moment, like whatever it is, however imperfect it is, not as an attack, but just as like, oh, I'm feeling blah, or I'm really triggered right now or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. my internal personal responsibility. Um, you see what you did there? You named it, mm-hmm. right? You got some space from it. And you, you said, I'm triggered right now, rather than fuck you or whatever you, people say, or however mm-hmm. they, they are, they mm-hmm. argue. You named the experience. Now we took it a little bit further. So you were mindfully naming the experience. Now you, there's some element in there, as you said that I'm like, she's kind of maybe not actually looking at the part, but she's not, you said, I'm not doing this defensively or attacking whatever, whatever word you use. Mm-hmm. So I got the sense that you had sort of plucked out that, um, that element of defensiveness. Yeah. That part of you that would defend you. You're just yeah. naming what's true, mm. an authentic space. Yeah. And what I realize is when I do it immediately, like when I like recognize it immediately, it's so healing for those wounded parts of me inside because I'm actually, you know, like I'm, I'm protecting them. I'm standing up for them. I'm like, I'm not made, like not telling them to go away. I'm not like hiding them in a corner or whatever. It's like, it's been a very, it's with consistency and repetition. Like this doesn't just happen overnight, but like, it's, it's very healing, especially in relationships when I'm like, yo, you know, like you sexualized me too quickly. Like I feel a little bit taken advantage of or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And then yeah. you know, dope. No, but then those, those little parts in you, those younger parts of perhaps had things like that happen, mm-hmm. felt like the world was, was maybe an unsafe place mm-hmm. or you didn't, or your feelings or your body didn't matter as an example, mm-hmm. right? Suddenly they're like, oh, wait, someone's taking care of us. Someone's showing up mm-hmm. and that's you. Mm-hmm. And that, that allows for integration. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. yeah. That's a good call out personal responsibility. Cause I do think that people, yeah, pr- could probably misinterpret that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, you're amazing. Thanks for coming on the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You are as well. It's really oh, great. Thank you. Uh, yeah. What are you working on right now? Where can people get your book? Where can people find you? So I am going to be at the Low Country Mental Health Council Symposium on the 29th of July, speaking with heavyweights in the field. Like Gabor Mate is going to be on the, on the card with me. Yeah. Wow, you made yeah. it. I don't know. I mean, I got a small room off to the side. They gave me 75 minutes to talk about my book. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to be there and people can get their CEUs there if, if uh, they, they can come in via Zoom. And so always a great thing. So I'll be there next. Um, my book is available wherever finer books are sold. Uh, Amazon and, and and all of that. Anyone who's read the book and would like and liked it and would like to give me a, a lovely review, they all help. I'm also on um, Instagram at Lair Torrent Holistic Therapist, and you can also reach me via my website at LairTorrent.com. Awesome! I'll link everything up. Thank you for your time, Lair. You're amazing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was great. Hope you get love to talk to you again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Talk talk then. Bye. What an amazing discussion with Lair. Uh, it just, it, it traveled through the depths, <laughs> went to the light, 
and then through the depths again. And you know how I love the depths here uh, on the show and in this space and actually in my life in general. Um, but I love, I just love, 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 love this idea of love itself being a practice, a practice that we can learn a practice. We talk about this, this in the episode, but a practice that we can learn just like we learn anything, reading a new language, um, anything it's, it's, um, not talked about that much, but, but really it can be learned. And I just love the way that Lair has found a way through his own words and his own paradigm to do that and to show people how that, how to do that through his book. And his book is amazing. I do recommend it. Um, and what was some, you know, <laughs> it is rare, I think in this space where someone sees me so, so, um, so deeply and so purely. And he definitely saw that if there was a point during this interview where he could, you can't see it as the listener, but he could definitely see the, the shine in my eyes. And I'm just so grateful to share that here with you all. Um, and it is my practice really. And my practice is to be open and transparent and loving with myself and with others. And uh, really hoping to have that, like, you know, reverberate really throughout the world. So I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for being in this space with me every Wednesday. I do want to close with a few um, housekeeping items. One is don't forget to support the show. Um, there have been uh, so many great supporters coming forward and I'm so grateful for you all. Um, you can support the show through a contribution of a dollar a month, a $5 a month or the $9 amount a month, um, really to go towards the energy that I'm putting forward and getting great guests and preparing for those great guests. I, I read almost every single book um, that an author brings, brings up in the show. And, or really just, if you want to buy me a coffee, I won't say no to a coffee either, but you can support the show by clicking the links in the comments, um, in the show notes and, um, clicking on support and just choosing which level that you prefer. Um, don't forget if you have not yet, if you are single, or if you want to learn more about love and the love you give in relationships, um, don't forget to take the feminine dating arch archetype quiz. And I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. That will reveal some of your blocks to love and also, if you are single and you're wanting to call in your true love match, it will lead you in a direction to do that. Lastly, I soon will have a date, I promise, for the next five-month group coaching container to help successful women call in epic love. Um, this is an epic program with an epic result. I don't have um, anything out on it yet. So you are the first to know if you are listening to this and you have any interest in more information, if you want to talk more about that, go, go to Instagram and DM me and we can have a little chat to see if it might be right for you. Um, and again, this is a five month program for successful single women who want to call in epic love. Um, it's my process and the process that I've taken um, women through hundreds of coaching hours to get to that epic love that we all so, so, so deserve. I love you. Thank you for being here. I am so honored. And don't forget, as you go through this week, know that I am in your heart, that you are loved and you are supported. And I'm so grateful for you. And you are perfect. I'll see you next time.